Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Again, we want to um, continue to honor and remember those who, who gave their lives, and we are very, very grateful. Um, it's, it's hard for us, to, many of us, to imagine maybe who did not serve uh, but for those of you who do or have, thank you very, very much. It is amazing how hard and harsh our world can be sometimes. I've came across some rejection letters that were sent to authors whom we would now consider to be famous. To Emily Dixon, Dickinson, your poems are quite as remarkable for defects as for beauties, and are generally devoid of true poetical qualities. Rudyard Kipling, I'm sorry, Mr. Kipling, but you just don't know how to use the English language. F. Scott Fitzgerald for The Great Gadsby. You'd have a decent book if you'd get rid of that Gadsby character. Uh, L. Frank Baum, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. Too radical of a departure from traditional juvenile literature. Stephen King and Carrie. We are not interested in science fiction which deals with negative utopias. They do not sell. Ernest Hemingway, The Sun Also Rises. If I may be frank, you certainly are in your prose. I found your efforts to be both tedious and offensive. You really are a man's man, aren't you? I wouldn't be surprised to hear that you had penned this entire story locked up at the club, ink in one hand, brandy in the other. And I think that's probably true. H.G. Wells, The War of the Worlds. An endless nightmare. I think the verdict would be, oh, don't read that horrid book. Herman Melville, Moby Dick. Our united opinion is entirely against the book. It is very long and rather old-fashioned. First, we must ask, does it have to be a whale? While this is a rather delightful, if somewhat esoteric, plot device, we recommend an antagonist with a more popular visage among the younger readers. For instance, could not the captain be struggling with a depravity towards young, perhaps beautiful maidens? And finally, to Louise, Louisa May Alcott and her little women, stick to teaching. We've all experienced people who said hard things or cruel things or harsh things about us, about our work. And some aspects of, of social media with this sometimes kind of a sense of anonymity seem to even make it worse. The reality is that everyone, every single one of us, and every relationship needs encouraging. And so we're going to look at encouragement today in this series we've called Building Successful Relationships. We're doing it alongside a, a video series of the same name on Right Now Media by Michael and Lara Fletcher. And, and you'll find, we'll cover some things in here this morning, but if you and a friend or your spouse or, or a small group want to go deeper into relationships, then go to the Gateway section on Right Now Media and follow along. And if you have not created your free membership, and everybody who comes to Gateway is offered this free membership. You can have a free membership to Right Now Media. Uh, then you can go to the Gateway section to our Find It page, 
and um, sign up for that. Some, some have called it the, the Netflix of, of Christianity. So there's a lot of stuff there, both for adults and children. And in this series, each week we're covering a, a topic, and then you can go deeper by downloading the study materials and watching the six to eight minute video. Uh, there are more videos than there are weeks in the series, so we provided you some extra content to keep on after the series ends, after we end in here. And finally, just a, kind of an FYI, this week's um, video is called Faith, but I'm calling it encouragement. And the reason I'm doing that is because I don't want to create confusion because we typically use the word faith referring to uh, faith in Christ, They're, they subtitled it faith, believing more for someone than they do for themselves. And they actually use scripture that relates to encouragement. So that's kind of, that's the only time we're doing that in this series. And, and whether, because whether we realize it or not, the best way to motivate someone to make good choices isn't necessarily warnings or, or put downs. In Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, it, it says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, this, this verse is part of a larger passage where the writer is concerned for the community of faith and the danger uh, of evil and sin to turn hearts away from God and, and focus on, on other things. And as you heard from those rejection letters, some folks just love to knock us down, to, to, in fact, not only knock us down, but kick us while we're down. And, and some of you may even be in that place right now in your life. And there is nothing the devil loves more than causing us to, to doubt ourselves and, and God's work in our lives. He, he loves the harsh stuff, but he also likes it to, to work deceptions in our minds, to get us our thoughts going in unhealthy directions. And I... Let me just share kind of a, a personal example with you this morning. My dad uh, passed away 25, about 25 years ago. And my dad was always good to me, always kind to me. I, I want you to hear that up front. And because of his work schedule, I really didn't get a lot of time with him when I was younger. And so the best opportunities I had were on Saturdays when, when he would take me hunting or fishing. And, and literally, across the course of a year, probably between half and two-thirds of Saturdays, I was out with him hunting or fishing in whatever appropriate season was open at the time. And, and the thing about getting out there, and he, of course, I started when I was probably five or six, is and initially he has to, had to teach me how to do it, how to cast and and. and, and pick lures and things like that, and then when it came to shooting, how to hold a gun, how to do it safely, and, and how to shoot. And he could show me things, but I had to do it myself. I mean, it doesn't do much good if he's, catching the, if he's hooking the fish and handing me the rod, or he's shooting the birds and I'm going to retrieve them, which is what I did in the early years. Um, so I did learn those things. I learned how to fish. I, became, I, I still consider myself very competent at that and, and, and capable at that. And, and I did learn how to hunt and, and, uh, and do that. Um, but when we get home, my dad would seldom make me help clean the fish or the game. And it was kind of strange. And, of course, at the time when you're a, you're a, a kid, you're kind of glad. I mean, let dad do it, you know? That's what dads do. But to be honest with you, I've kind of come to, to question some of that now. 
And I don't know if it's whether because he, he just genuine, genuinely loved cleaning fish and, and, and cleaning game, or he, he was trying to keep me from making a mess of things or, or getting a mess all over me. Because now, now some, some of you, if you hunt or you fish, you, you may be in a situation where, where your, your wife or, or maybe your husband doesn't allow you to clean in the house, clean the, the fish or clean the game. But that wasn't true in our house. It always got cleaned in our house. And, and some of you ladies probably are cringing and imagining trying to then later cook a meal. But that was just, that was just part of it. And, and you know, here, here's the thing. We, we did a lot of fishing, and, and fish and game were part of my... I, I had at least four dinners a week that were either fish or game. That was just growing up, that's, that's what we ate. Um, but I never had fresh fish because we would clean them and then we'd put them in the freezer and my mom would always insist that we take out the, the, the oldest first. So I, I, wasn't, I, it was, I was an adult before I ever had fresh fish. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, but over time, because he always did it, he never made me do it. He, he showed me a time or two, but, but he... he it just wasn't something he, was, he particularly made a big deal of. Now, he made me mow the lawn, but he didn't make me clean the fish. Over time, I developed some insecurities about doing it myself. I mean, could I do it? Could I do it well? Could I do it without taking forever? And, and so I have found myself, as I've become an adult, sometimes hesitant about it. And, and so I was particularly happy when my wife, Susan, fairly early in our marriage, told me that she didn't, one, I could not clean anything at the house, and two, she really wasn't interested in bass to cook. And so I, I started catching and releasing. And that was great. It made it so, so good. I never had to clean. And, and I always carefully took the fish off the hook and returned them back to the water. And so it was a win-win as far as I was concerned. But cleaning game, cleaning fish, as I look back, maybe it's just one example of a pattern, and, and, and there were other areas where he, he just did the things himself. He took care of it. He didn't show me how. He didn't, he, he didn't require me to, to do it myself, and I've, as I've reflected on my, my hesitancy sometimes in certain parts of my life, I, I've begun to wonder if they're not related to things my dad did by himself. At the same time, my dad was not a big encourager. Um, now, again, he was a good man. He didn't tear me down. He didn't like that. I don't mean that, but I'm just saying it was not in his nature to say, good job, or I'm proud of you, Randy. And, and honestly, I'm not sure that I ever heard my dad say, I love you. I know he did. I mean, don't get me wrong. And, and I felt like he showed it to me in a lot of ways, but I don't remember that. And I've discovered that along the way, maybe unconsciously somehow, I interpreted those occasions as maybe he had some lack of confidence in me and my abilities. Now, let me be really clear. I'm not saying that my thoughts on that or my subconscious thoughts on that were rational or that I thought them through or even that that was his thoughts or his intentions in doing that. And so I've worked in these 25 years since my dad passed on to kind of try to counter some of those underlying thoughts in my life. On, on the other hand, my mother was a great encourager, constantly encouraging, telling my brother and me that we could do anything we set our minds to. 
Now, I, I don't know if she maybe took that a little too far. I'm not sure that I was cut out to be an astronaut or, or uh, uh, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about me playing, playing for the Astros. Uh, I'm not sure that was in the, in the cards. But, but she had a lot of confidence in me. And, and I may not have been sure of my dad's confidence in me in some areas, but I never questioned my mom's. And that encouragement made a difference. Now, I, I'm, I'm not telling you all this just to unload my mental health issues on you this, this morning, okay? But just to give you an example, to show you in my own life something I've recognized and, and that's helped me to see how valuable encouragement for each one of us is. We all face challenges in our lives that challenge our confidence. And, and whether it's a coworker that's trying to, to push us aside, to, to move up in the work ahead of us, or, or maybe we find ourselves comparing ourselves to somebody else at work or at school or in a club or in, in an activity, or there are pressures on us that remind us how far we have to go to accomplish our, our goals, and, and we find ourselves focusing on, on where we think we're coming up short. The result may be, for some of us, that our confidence erodes, and we feel unprepared or inadequate to face at least some of the challenges that we face in day-to-day life. So the writer of Hebrews tells us to encourage one another daily. And the word encourage literally means to give courage. To give courage. The Bible is telling us that we ought to strive to give courage to those around us every day, all the time. And, And part of this is that None of us are supposed to go through life alone. God created us for relationships, and one of the gifts of relationships is the ability we have in a relationship to encourage others and to likewise receive that encouragement from others, but to encourage others as they face challenges, that we're, we, we need each other in this journey together. And the letter, later in the, the book of Hebrews, the writing of Hebrews, the writer affirms it even more. In chapter 10, he says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, the day was the day of the Lord, when it was believed Jesus would return and establish his eternal kingdom here on earth when every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord. And those who failed to accept Jesus into their lives, who rejected him, would face eternity apart from him. But the context for, for all of this is, is relationships, and, and particularly in the body of Christ. But, but, but encouragement is invaluable to everybody, not just those who are fellow Christians or those who come to church, but it's a way to express love to others and show them the love and encouragement of Christ for them. So the writer tells us to encourage one another daily, as long as it's today. Why does he say that? Because our opportunities to encourage one another are not unlimited. I mean, none of us knows what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us is promised even a minute from now. The Bible's calling us, therefore, to make the most of every opportunity because 
Since we're not promised tomorrow, none of us knows what will happen, we need to be doing the encouraging now. Doing it today, he says. And part of the reason for this is that encouragement, giving, giving this courage to another helps them, the Bible says, helps them overcome sin's deceitfulness in their lives. Encouragement helps you and me overcome those, maybe those nagging insecurities. You know, maybe they were kind of, we kind of feel like they came to us because of the way our parents treated us. But, but maybe they're more just the result of our misinterpretations of what we experienced. Or, or we have a boss who loves tearing us down. Or, or, or there's a, a group of students at school that just always seem to have it out for us. Or say things, tear other kids down. Or a spouse who is just kind of harsh by nature. Regardless of the source, if we allow that into our hearts and minds, it has the power to rob us of living life to its fullest. I want to be really clear. My dad was a good guy. He was a kind man. This is not a slam in any way on him. And I, in fact, I don't believe he intended to slight me. But the sin within me deceived me. And it doesn't in any way represent what God thinks of me. It's why as we sing here on Sunday mornings, we talk about the love of God and we affirm that. Why? Because you and I hear in lots of ways from lots of places, even from those we love sometimes intentionally or even unintentionally, that, our, that love is is not unconditional, that we do fall, we fail, that we're messed up, or whatever the case may be. But God created you and me. And and the Bible, one way of looking at it, it's just this one long love letter of how he is continually seeking after us. That He would leave the 99 behind, as we say, to seek us out, But not just us, not just those of us who are in the church, but in fact every person on the planet, even those who who don't care about him, who don't believe in him. God has not given up on them. He loves them. He created them. And whether they deny him or not, he will seek after them as long as there are days to seek because he loves them. He loves us. Jesus said God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. At the end of his time here on earth, he said, be sure of this. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not saying, I get tired of you. You're kind of a pain in the rear. So I'm going to go off and, and deal with the good folks. He says, no, I will never give up. On you. I will never stop seeking you. I will be with you, whether you know it or not, whether you care or not. I am there. In 1 John, it says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And in Isaiah, the Lord said, No weapon formed, forged against you will prevail. And then in Romans 8, and, I, and some of you, 
like me, read the Life Journal reading plan as a daily reading plan. And it just so happens that today was Romans 8, Proverbs 4, 5, and 6, and, and Romans 8. And so it's, it's, I'd already found this before I got to this reading, but it's like the whole chapter of, uh, eight, chapter 8 of Romans is just full of encouragement like this. And one of the verses, verse 31, says, If God is for us, who can ever be against us? In other words, if the God who created everything, the God who, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, he knows you and me, he knows what we've done, if he's for you, does it really matter who isn't? Christ died for you and me while we were still sinners, proving God's love for us. At the same time, disciples of Jesus are are called then to share that love, that encouragement with those around us. It's not just simply, I need to soak it in. No, I, am, I receive it in order to give. And it's why we're encouraging you to love your neighbors. It's why we're encouraging you to go through our introduction to discipleship class to help you know what God wants for you. To help you ground it, not in what we feel, but in what God says in his word. And how then you can join in the mission and ministry of our church to share his love beyond ourselves. Because discipleship that does not love is not discipleship. Discipleship has to love. Discipleship means following Jesus, imitating Jesus. And that's what Jesus always did. He always loved. And he calls you and me to that same experience. 1 Thessalonians, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. And that's what some people think. Christ died for us so that whether we're dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. There's not a person around you or me that does not need some encouragement. And probably we do too. The great college basketball coach, John Wooden, uh, from UCLA, told his players that when they they scored, they were to, to smile or they were to wink or nod at the player who passed them the ball. And one player asked, well, what if he's not looking? And Wooden said, I guarantee he'll look. We all need encouragement. We all want encouragement. We all thrive with encouragement. And so it it makes sense that as we need it, so do those around us. And we're called then to inspire them and give them courage to face what's coming their way in life. And here's the thing. You know this. I know this. We know this intuitively. People are drawn to those who believe in them. You are drawn to someone who sees the good in you. You are drawn to someone who cares about you. You're drawn to someone who encourages you. And so are they. Encouragement makes such a difference. Studies have shown that encouragement can measurably increase athletic performance. I mean, how many of us have not been at a game, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, and when the crowd starts to get into it, what happens? It seems like the players take it up a notch. Why why is the home field advantage so valuable? 
because there is encouragement from the team. And our Rockets need it this coming week, don't they? (laughs) Game seven, guys. Encouragement makes such a difference. Another study showed that a a teacher's encouragement of their students over the course of the year had the potential to increase student IQ scores. In a recent study of people, those who report high morale at work, 94.4% agreed that their managers showed appreciation. 79% of employees who quit their job cited a lack of appreciation as the key reason for leaving. And 56% of employees who worked reported low morale also gave their managers low marks for showing appreciation. I mean, encouragement can really build successful relationships. And it may be something we take for granted. It may be something we don't think enough about. So I want to just share with you some basic suggestions on giving encouragement. First, encouragement needs to be real. In other words, it's got to be genuine. It can't be fluff. It can't be made up stuff. You can't say something about somebody just because you're trying to be nice, but it has no basis in reality. Encouragement is best when it's genuine, when it comes from the heart, when it's not manipulative. Manipulative. And it's why I believe God's word, knowing God's word is so valuable because we can share God's truth, God's timeless truth with another that has genuine power that is true to help them make a difference. When you say God loves you, no matter what somebody else thinks, it's not because I think it's a good idea. It's because the word of God says it over and over again. When we stand on God's word, we're not standing on opinion anymore. We're standing on what the creator of the universe said. And it is truth. That is fundamentally what we believe as followers of Jesus. God's word is true for everyone, not just for you, not just for people in the church. His word is just as true for non-believers. His word is just as true for those who don't even know he exists or don't want to know. God really does love them. And and we have the privilege and the opportunity of sharing that good news and that encouragement. Of course, we're not limited to God's word for encouragement, but never overlook its power. Second, encouragement needs to be regular. You know, encouraging someone once a year, whether they need it or not, probably does not have a lot of impact. We need, according to Hebrews, we need to make it a part of our daily practice every day to tell someone, to encourage someone, because everyone needs it. So give it wherever you are, to whomever you're with, to your coworkers, to your employees, to your boss. That might be a novel idea, but your boss may actually really need some encouragement. Give it to that server at restaurant at the restaurant today after lunch. They're working hard. And, and you know, some, some studies have shown that Sundays are sometimes the hardest day for, for wait staff at, at a restaurant because people who come from church are often the worst tippers. I don't know why. Maybe we think, we'll tell them God bless you, and that's good enough. But encourage them. Let them 
experience the love of Christ in tangible ways. Um, classmates at school, I know we're coming down to the wire, and some of you are already out of college or finished the semester, but there are opportunities there. Um, folks you encounter here at the church, guys, you and I don't know what somebody is walking in today with. We don't know what's on, what's on their heart. We don't know what they're, they're dealing with. And sometimes your smile, your word of encouragement to someone you don't even know may be just the thing they needed today. And especially, guys, to our families. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but sometimes we overlook the most obvious people to whom to give encouragement. I read about a guy this week, I think I'd heard about it before, but I read it again this week about a guy who had made a commitment to offer encouragement to his family. And so each day as he came home, he would grab a certain number of coins and he would put them in his right pocket. And when he came in the door, he would start then saying words of encouragement to his wife and to his kids. And each time he would say a word of encouragement, he'd take one coin out of his right pocket and put it in his left pocket. And he would keep doing that until all the coins were out of his right pocket, until he had finished. And that was his way, his means of making sure that he offered encouragement to his family every day. If giving encouragement's a challenge for you, maybe you need a plan of some kind. I don't say it has to be coins in your pocket. or I, I, I mean, I don't know. But how can you offer it regularly, routinely, to your family, to those you love, to those you care about? And finally, encouragement needs to be specific. Encouragement is most effective when it's precise, when it's, when it's detailed, when it's not generic. Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One Minute Manager, said, catch people doing something right and then tell them. Instead of saying you did a good job today, tell them specifically what they did that was good. Why was it good? Because sometimes we hear generic things like you did great and we, just, we don't take it seriously or we don't think they're paying attention to us or we just, they're just trying to be nice. But when they say you did great by doing this, this, and this, we know they were paying attention to us. They were looking at what we were doing and they took the trouble to say something. Give credit where credit's due. Don't begrudge someone else's success. Let others know you appreciate them and affirm what they've done. Even offering common courtesies. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. Thank you. Please. Says they're not just a cog in a wheel. They are a real person with real feelings. And you care enough about them to show them respect and encouragement. So this morning, before you maybe leave, think about it. On the back of the bulletin insert, there's a place. You can even write it down. What is a specific commitment you can make to be generous with your own encouragement? What's something you can do? Something today. Something maybe even before you walk off the campus something you can start doing, something you want to investigate of how to do it, something you want to do at work this week, something you want to do with your family. Maybe it's some folks or family you've been overlooking and you're going to start saying something to them each day or write them a note of encouragement. 
I was looking this morning in, in my, um, what's it, I get these senior moments or junior moments or whatever, the thing on your bathroom where you keep your stuff, medicine cabinet, thank you. But there's a little post-it in there that my daughter wrote to me years ago. It says, Daddy, I love you. I want to tell you, that means so much to me that I leave it in there. All the stickiness, stickiness is worn off, but it stays there. And every time I open my medicine cabinet, <laughs> I see it. Maybe it's a, it's a tool or a practice of some kind, like transferring coins from one pocket to another or some way to help you be intentional. Maybe it's just taking a few moments to write out some things you can say to somebody else to kind of get them in your mind, to encourage them. And especially on this Memorial Day weekend, let our servicemen and women, let our veterans know how much you appreciate their service. Make it a point to to say to one of them, thank you. Thank you for serving. Like some of you, I grew up in the 60s, and, and back in the 60s in the Vietnam War, our servicemen weren't very well treated. Um, and, and there was a lot of anger. And, and it wasn't their fault. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And I'm so grateful in the decades since that, I, that we have become better at affirming and encouraging those who serve. But let them know. Let them hear that, especially on this weekend. And I want to I personally just affirm and thank our prayer quilt ministry that they took it upon themselves to make those quilts and, and provide them for those devastated families down in Santa Fe. And God bless y'all that do that. And, and Betsy said women, but I actually think there's a man or two in there. So I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful group. And um, those are things that, that maybe somebody overlooks that are more powerful than we realize. The Bible says, whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus came to earth because he loves you and me. And he came to encourage us and love us and challenge us to be more than what sin says we are. More than what our experiences have led us to believe. More than what others say about us. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by our God. And he has a purpose for your life that matters. That will make a difference in this world. And, and, and the world doesn't necessarily believe it, and it will tear you down, and it will, it will remind you of the, all of your shortcomings. And you have them, I have them, we all have them. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But you do matter, and Jesus did come for you. And he wants to encourage you. But what's more, he wants to use you to encourage those around you. That it doesn't end with you and me in this room. That it goes out to our homes. That it goes out to our neighborhoods. That it goes out to our workplaces. That it goes out into our schools. Can you imagine if some of the violence that we've seen in our country lately, if some of those people had just been told God loves them and cares about them 
and it was lived out daily by people around them. I believe we wouldn't be facing as many tragedies today as we do. Love one another. Encourage them. Because God wants to encourage you. Our prayer team is going to be down here if you need to talk with someone, if you need the encouragement that we're talking about, someone to pray over you. Or if, in fact, as Betsy mentioned earlier, you need to bring Christ into your life to, to claim that love he has for you, to live it out day by day. Come and talk to them. If you're visiting today, especially if you're very new, I'm going to be out this door with some friends. We'd love to say hello to you and welcome you to our church, um, God's church, really, Jesus' church, and all that he wants to do in and through us. Would you join me in, 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 as we close in prayer? Father God, thank you so much for your grace, which is sufficient for every need. Your love, which is poured out on us while we were still sinners, that you care about each one of us, and you want us to be encouraged. The world w wants to tear down, but you want to build up. The world wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Help us, Father, to receive the encouragement you have given us through your word, through other people. Father, I read somewhere where it takes nine or ten, for every nine or ten uh, encouragements, only one discouragement can, can knock us down. So we need to do a lot of it. Help us to become um, so rampant with love and encouragement that people see it and notice it. And it, it, it affects people. Help us to be your witnesses, your disciples, loving our neighbors, encouraging those around us for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day weekend. See you next week. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.